Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Open Bar Experience. David Dacker, your host. So let's go ahead and talk about reopening the Texas economy, reopening the economy in general. Uh, in Houston, or in Texas, I should say, there is uh, some debate about that. And uh, the phase two of our reopening, so the guidelines that were put out, phase one, phase two, I guess there's a phase three. And uh, phase one was restaurants at 25% of, uh, of capacity. And... Um, and then some retail stores at about, yeah, same thing, 20, 25% capacity. So they've been, so a lot of places like uh, restaurants uh, or places like Target, um, um, you know, retail stores, they've been uh, regulating how many people go into the, uh, the business uh, once this phase one got going because before then since most there was a quarantine and most people were staying home um whenever you went to the store you actually didn't have that issue but then the stores were were pretty empty and now that people are are going back and you know they're given the go ahead to go get stuff you know to move about in in um in a in a hopefully responsible way um then stores are, are they're regulating this, okay? So they're not letting too many people in because then it gets crowded and all that kind of good stuff. The problem is is uh, some restaurants have been just not really paying attention to that. They really haven't been giving a shit, and, um, and that's a problem because it's a matter of public health. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, you know, you can do whatever you want as long as it only affects you. So if you want to jump off a bridge, go ahead, but you can't drag somebody with you. That's just wrong, right? Um, and that's kind of what's going on with these places that they're not really caring. Here in Texas, it made national news and whatnot, but some lady opened her hair salon prior to the uh, go-ahead from the governor and um, ended up getting herself arrested. And uh, the governor stepped in and changed uh, some of the, those guidelines in order to allow barbershops and beauty salons to open. And that has created a, a more of a problem, right? Because for one, she wasn't hurting for money, right? Um, came out, she lives in a million dollar home and got child support and all that other stuff. So she was not hurting. Uh, she just wanted to defy the system. She's just a, another Trump out there in the world. But um, in the 18th, of this month is whenever phase two is supposed to go in. That's whenever salons, barbershops, bars, and, and, um, are supposed to open restaurants are going from 25% capacity to 50% of their capacity. Um, and so this is, you know, an attempt at, at, at doing a gradual, uh, move into reopening, uh, businesses. Now the, you and I know this, that the, the economy has to reopen, right? We can't keep getting the, the the government with relief and stimulus because that's coming off of tax dollars. And right now the tax dollars are pretty much non-existent. They've been taking a real hit. And every state has uh, seen a, a drop in their revenue from, from taxes, obviously, uh, as well as the federal government. And so 
the, the economy needs to open. But the problem that I've seen so far, because I was out and about yesterday, the day before, and what I noticed was that, I want to say the grand majority, like three-fourths of the people that I saw um, in parks and walking the streets weren't wearing a mask and weren't paying, weren't concerned with uh, social distancing. Again, you know, you want to go and, and head and, and get this disease and risk your health. Like, you may be asymptomatic, but that doesn't mean that the person that you get infected is going to, their body's going to react the same way. So, you know, there's a certain level of respect for someone else's health that you need to, to show. And in, in enforcing this, what the governor did by, you know, basically rewarding this lady and making a hero out of her for defying the guidelines that were set by he himself is now you're putting bars into this position that that's what bars are going to have to do, right? Because I went to the governor's uh, website. I looked at the different dates for the phase, you know, phasing into business. And as far as the 18th of May, the bars were not on that list as of yet. And, you know, there's been talk about, like, we don't know what's the right way to do it, to, to reopen bars, bars being different than restaurants. Restaurants, you set up tables, you can do it on the patio. It's one thing that it's been doing right now, it's been done right now. The other one is uh, you can have less tables and therefore have them uh, separated, uh, giving them uh, distance. And so that's something restaurants can, can, can do. Now, is it going to be profitable? I've talked about this before, but it's sort of like this thing to where you need more staff in order to make sure that everything stays clean and uh, everything is done in a safe manner. And then you also are taking a cut in your revenue because you're doing less volume, you know, by, by the very nature of, of not allowing your restaurant to go to capacity. So then bars. Well, bars, what we're known for is for, for congregating people, is for bringing people together, right, and having a good time, throwing a big old party or a place to hang out, one of the two. And so what happens then? Like, how do you keep social distancing in a, in a bar, you know, where someone, you know, a percentage of the people, you know, let's say a fifth of the people there might go by themselves and strike up. Normally, you would strike up a conversation Right. Prior to uh, coronavirus, you go to a bar by yourself. You strike up a conversation with either the bartender um, or a uh, customer, um, another customer and have a good time, you know, in that in that process. Uh, or is usually groups of people that meet up at a bar. And, um, <clears throat> you know, that's that's how we make our money in, in creating this environment where people have a good time by hanging out together. <clears throat> now you can't do that and uh, have this social distancing right because if like someone walks in by themselves then they're going to have to be six feet away from everyone else including that next person that walks in and, and that periphery is going to eat up the space that a group could possibly occupy it starts to get really complicated and and since it is complicated i understand it um I mean, for, for one, how much longer can bars stay closed before they have to shutter, right? Number one. Number two is 
given that I don't know who the governor is having conversations with about reopening bars, and it doesn't seem to permeate a whole lot, are bars going to have to simply open their doors, disregard the guidelines, disregard the uh, the safety of the public in order to get the governor's attention so that way he can step in and say, oh, okay, yeah, we're, we're going to allow this, that, and the other. You know, because he's rewarding defiance is what he's doing. Now, obviously it depends on, on who because I think the same thing had happened in Lubbock where, you know, the person that uh, did that did not get rewarded. Instead, they got uh, tossed in jail. Um, But anyways, getting back to the point is how are we going to reopen bars in a safe manner? Because the argument of coronavirus being real or not um, is already settled. If, If you're not up to par, then you're either ignoring the information or you're dumb as a rock so past that all right it is a danger to some people severe fatal danger to some people and not others and for some of us we've been saying from the beginning this is something that is not real until it starts to hit home and home doesn't have to be a loved one or yourself it's, it's, I think it starts with you talking to someone where their loved ones and someone they know got it and uh, either recovered or based or things, you know, had a severe um, reaction to it. You know, it's, it hit the body hard and that's already starting to happen. You know, I'm already hearing of people that know someone that either got it um, and it was mild or it was fatal. And you can't ignore that. And to say that, you know, well, fuck it, you know, that's just the way it is. People are going to die. Some people are going to live. Whenever there is the possibility and the, and the, and the opportunity to keep people safe, uh, that's uh, callous and irresponsible. You know, it's callous by the individual. It is irresponsible by the government. So what are we going to do? Um, I really don't have the answer. Uh, you can message me, you can leave a comment, um, you know, social media. I am on Twitter, David Dacry. I am also David underscore Dacry on Instagram. You can leave a comment, um, you know, have this conversation because it is very difficult to say how a small bar that is a couple of hundred feet, square feet or you know, 500 square feet, where it's a really cool little bar that you can go usually and have a great time. And how is that small bar going to keep social distancing while at the same time creating, uh, generating the revenue necessary to keep the doors open? You know, at some point, it becomes an, uh, an act of futility. And, you know, I don't, again, I don't know what the answer is, but I know that the irresponsible um, jumping to conclusions, saying crazy shit, you know, like using disinfectant, uh, using drugs that aren't proven to um, protect you from COVID-19 or to cure you from it, 
That comes from the White House. And from the very beginning, it was a problem where the scientists would say, well, we don't know this and we don't know that. This is what we know at this time from these places uh, about it. And we will continue to monitor and, uh, and inform you. And here comes, you know, President Pinesaw and starts spewing all kinds of random shit. And the, the people that, you know, drank the Kool-Aid, drank the Kool-Aid. And, you know, they believe anything and everything. And so here starts the argument on unfounded information. So that's where we are right now. We, we are in this place to where there's a lot of unnecessary confusion and debate um, based on that sort of uh, irresponsible dissemination of information of poor inaccurate information and who's the one that's uh you know that's that's going to suffer the most is is you know the individual and, and and small businesses because you know shit rolls downhill and you know the billionaires don't seem to be affected by that kind of stuff All right, so I know that some of you out there are dog lovers. And for dog lovers, I have something for your dog. And that is Bruchu. It is a doggy treat that is made of spent grain from uh, the beer production. It is a friend of mine. She's a dog lover. She got together with a guy that is a a local brewery um, from Houston that is uh, using spent grain of beer production to make uh doggy treats they're pretty awesome uh, my dog loves them i think that he gets a little bit drunk every time i give him a couple of them so he's happy i'm happy it's all good check it out i'll put the uh, link on it um, on the comment section brewtrue.com i believe is uh, where you can find it so check him out All right, so I'm going to talk to you about something that I just found out about. Not really found out about, but uh, I I was able to spend a little time um, figuring it out a little bit while quarantined. I mean, I would hope that you learned something new during this time and, um, you know, took advantage of, of, of being at home and studied something that you didn't know or you wanted to know more of. And that is Bitcoin. You know, I can remember when Bitcoin came out in 2009 and people were talking about this crazy idea of cryptocurrency. And, you know, and I'm like, well, you know, where is it? And how do you put your hands on it? And, you know, you put it in your pocket or whatever. And, and it didn't make any sense to me. And, uh, you know, I've been like everyone else. I hear about Bitcoin every time the price goes up or the price crashes down. And uh, and so on and so forth. So the last few years has been a little bit more to where, um, for one, I'm thinking, well, shit, this Bitcoin thing has lasted. And two, um, I'm getting people that I know are getting really into it. So in having all this time, I decided, like, let me look into it. Well, long story short, um, 
I'm creating a wallet and uh, that way uh, whomever wants to tip me, I'm going to start that way, right? Whenever I, I'm on a shift, uh, whoever wants to tip me in Bitcoin is more than welcome to because uh, the transactions are different. Um, I don't want to get into that part right now, but as as a, uh, you know, I, I, I don't want to get into the part of paying for product with Bitcoin right now. However, I am interested in, in the idea of transacting uh, with Bitcoin. So if you want to tip with, in Bitcoin, I'll be more than happy to accept. So once uh, we reopen or I reopen uh, or actually wherever you um, wherever it is that, that I work in the near future, um, pick up shifts or whatnot, you're more than welcome to pay me in Bitcoin. And so I'm going to put the uh, the information for the wallet on the comment section. I think I'll, I'll should, I should have it set up by the time I put this out. But again, I'm just very interested in this idea of the cryptocurrency because recently the there's been this idea floating around in Congress about the trillion dollar coin, which started off in 2012 because of the debt limit and all that kind of stuff. And um, it's the idea is that you, the, the United States government, uh, the treasury will mint a trillion dollar coin and then give it to uh, the Federal Reserve. Federal Reserve will deposit that into their account and uh, with their balance sheet, then they have a positive $1 trillion, which then is not going in tr- creating debt, a trillion dollar worth of debt um, in order to pay for whatever programs. And this is in talks right now with the uh, second stimulus. Now it sounds crazy, but at the same time is, you know, if you have a five, 10, $50 million in your bank account, it's just numbers because you really don't have it. Um, you know, you could go to the bank and they're not going to give you $50, 50 million dollars because they don't have it. They, they need, they need a delivery of that amount in order to, uh, to give it to you in cash. Right. And that is, uh, then cash that is going to be short somewhere else. It just, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy, but it most money now because it's, it's fiat, it, it does not back by anything. It's just numbers on a screen, uh, or pieces of paper floating around. Now, what it does do by minting a single coin at that value and not releasing it, right. Is that at least you don't have to print more money and the more money you print, just like anything else. Uh, the more there is of a product, uh, the less it costs, you know? So if you can get, if, you know, if there's more supply than there is demand, then the price is going to drop. And that's what happens whenever they print a bunch of money. At some point, the supply the, the, of the money is more than what the demand is for it. And so that's what you get inflation. But if you just mint this thing and you deposit it as such, well, then it's just digital money, essentially. I don't know. It was an interesting idea. It uh, correlated with the uh, Bitcoin uh, info that I was looking. I, I'm not going to say I'm an expert. I just uh, dipped my toe into it. And I was like, hey, what if it, wouldn't it be cool if I can uh, accept tips on uh, Bitcoin? So, I mean, the price fluctuates like crazy. So, you know, I'm going to go. I'm, a, I'm okay with taking that, that uh, risk with my own. Uh, income.
So, again, um, I'm guilty, if just as anyone else, of uh, spending a bit of time on YouTube. And I think uh, I mentioned this in the last episode. But, uh, you know, it's been entertaining. And it's at the same time, it's, uh, it's sometimes taking a break. In addition to the fact that you can find a how-to video on anything uh, on YouTube. But that said, um, I'd like to share some of the videos. I'm going to put it on the comment section. But, you know, things have been pretty heavy. And uh, and I know that I've been talking a lot about the the COVID and, and the situation that the restaurant and bar industry is in. And that us as individuals and as uh, labor force have been in, um, as well as... Uh, you know, the pressure that business owners are now under uh, for reopening and uh, whatnot. So I'm going to put some a few links to uh, some comedy. Uh, you know, I love um, uh, Gabriel Iglesias. Uh, I think he's a, a funny and very talented comedian. So I'm going to put a few of those videos on there purely for your entertainment. Um, nothing else. Right. Uh, so. Check it out. And then uh, I'm going to put one that is uh, a little bit of educational uh, on there. So uh, I think this one, because I talked about cryptocurrency, I'm going to throw one in there uh, on crypto. So if you're uh, curious as to what it is, and uh, given that I'm not an expert in this, uh, there'll be better information uh, on that video. All right, so May 13th was National Cocktail Day. Uh, so I figured that uh, let me go ahead and throw this in there and do a classic cocktail that we'll use to teach other classics. I decided to talk about the Martinez. The Martinez is a cocktail that is uh, credited with being the predecessor to the Martini. And the great thing about learning the the martinez is that you can extrapolate it to other classics that are better known and that is the manhattan and the martini now the martinez um there's stories about its origin and some people say it was here and some people was there there's a place in california martinez where people were the, pro, the prospectors uh, stopped before going on to finding their riches and all that kind of stuff. So <clears throat> you can find that online. Um, so I'm not going to get into the history. I am going to get into the way that you use this cocktail to learn the others. Um, the martini, the Martinez is going to be gin, vermouth, maraschino liqueur, and uh, orange bitters. <clears throat> and so... Here's a here's the thing about it. Um, the the martini is something that uh, has evolved over time. The original martini was a fifty fifty, meaning half uh, vermouth and and half gin. Um, the the martinez is as a similar, but is actually a two to one because you have the other ingredients. So the martini, the Martinez is going to be gin, usually about uh, two parts, meaning two ounces. One part, meaning half of the amount of the gin, is going to be vermouth, sweet vermouth, right? So you can do two ounces of gin, 
one ounce of uh, sweet vermouth, <clears throat> and then a quarter ounce of uh, maraschino liqueur. Um, but to better balance this, what you do is, because the maraschino liqueur and the sweet vermouth are sweet elements, you can do three quarter ounce of the uh, sweet vermouth, a quarter ounce of the maraschino liqueur, and then you do one or two dashes of orange bitters, and then depend and that and, and I say that and then the gin, right? Two ounces. But I say that because you can use old Tom uh gin. Uh the best um Martinez, uh, in my opinion, are made with a more modern style um gins similar to London dry, but not dry uh gins. Um but then that you have to play around with that uh recipe a little bit and uh find the one that you like best. So then the martini is the gin with instead of sweet vermouth, it is dry vermouth, um, orange bitters without the maraschino liqueur. All right. So one thing about that, a lot of people think that the martini is like you throw you know some vermouth in the tin and or, or in the glass and you swish it around and then you toss it and uh, that's the only amount of vermouth that you want. Well, that's not true. Uh, the problem with that and actually the the way that to me that that came about was throughout the 90s whenever you know the few times the times that I bartended uh vermouth was something you kept in the back bar for years you treated you treated it like it was liquor right stable and it doesn't go bad but vermouth is wine 75% of vermouth is wine that's its base and so it spoils like wine so if you take a bottle of wine you will open it and uh, you pour out a glass you consume it and then you set the bottle, uh, you recork it, and you set it on the counter, and, and five years later you come back to it. That that wine is spoiled. You know, it's going to taste terrible. And that's the reason why a lot of people don't like vermouth is because they have been drinking, they've been exposed to spoiled vermouth uh, this whole time. Um, so don't do that. I'm going to tell you some very very general guidelines, but but fairly accurate and and true and that is if you're going to pay about 7 bucks 7 US dollars for uh, uh vermouth um that is cheap vermouth because I've seen them 5 7 bucks for for a 750 and uh that vermouth in my experience lasts about 3 days um now if you bump it up and you spend anywhere between 50 and 30 US dollars on uh vermouth uh, that is going to last around three weeks. Some of them, you can push them a little bit longer, but that's about it, right? Let's, we're going to keep it there to make it simple. Three days for cheap vermouth, three weeks for uh, premium vermouth, okay? And if you use fresh vermouth, then you're not going to have the problems and the issues you, get, you as, as you do with, with the spore one in that whenever you put in a drink, if you're using spoiled vermouth, is going to make anything you drink taste terrible all right simple simple as that use spoiled uh, uh, milk in your cereal the cereal is going to taste terrible and it's not fruity pebbles fault it's you who didn't pay attention to your spoiled milk all right so now that we have that um if you do take out the maraschino liqueur and you change the sweet vermouth to a dry vermouth. Um, again, depending on the type of uh, gin that you use, whether it's a London dry, a modern style, or an old Tom, 
then uh, you're gonna it's gonna be the uh, the ratio and the amount of, of vermouth that you use. You can use it two to one. A 50-50 martini is fantastic, especially if you use a London dry style gin uh, with good botanicals and you use a blanc vermouth instead of a dry vermouth. A blanc vermouth is a sweet white vermouth, not as sweet as the, the dark sweet vermouth because it has caramel uh, for the coloring, which also gives it a, a heavier weight of sweetness. <clears throat> but use a blanc vermouth with the London dry, a couple of dashes of orange bitters. It's fantastic. So then the other cocktail that you can make from the Martinez is the uh, instead of having gin with the sweet vermouth and the maraschino liqueur, you use uh, whiskey, rye whiskey in particular, but you can use bourbon. But use whiskey, either bourbon or rye, um, sweet vermouth. You can keep the uh, maraschino liqueur because then you have an improved Manhattan. Um, and then in addition to the orange liqueur, you would de- do uh, aromatic, I mean, orange liqueur, sorry. Uh, instead of the uh, orange bitters, you would also do an aromatic bitters. If I were you, I'd do one, one dash of each. Um, and I love doing these cocktails like this whenever I do training because... Um, the structure is very much uh, either the same or very similar. And so you're able to learn three cocktails at, at once, especially for those of you that are doing this at home. You're not buying, um, you know, 10, 15 bottles of, of liquor and liqueurs in order to be able to make all these cocktails. You're just buying essentially, you know, the vermouth, the bitters, the, the, the maraschino liqueur, and then whiskey and gin which if you have a home bar, you probably already have whiskey and gin um, and you probably already have bitters. Now, if you have vermouth that has been sitting around already open, right? Because if it's unopened, then it'll last a lot longer. Um, but if you're, it's, the vermouth is already opened and it's been there longer than a month, you need to throw that away because it is going to ruin your idea of vermouth. And I know this because at my bar, when we opened, I had about 21 different vermouths. And constantly people would tell me that they didn't like vermouth. And so I would just ask a few questions to see where their their flavor profile and their palate was. And then I'd give them a sample of two or three different vermouths. And every single time, every single, 100% of the time, uh, people realized that they had never had fresh vermouth, number one. And number two, they realized that there was something about vermouth that they liked. Now, maybe they didn't go all crazy. Some people did. They're like, I'm, I'm, I'm a vermouth believer now. That was the reaction for some people. For other people, it was like, oh, shit, okay, and I'm going to have to take a better, closer look at vermouth because um, nothing, I, I've never tasted a vermouth this good, right? But 100% of the time, they realized that they had been drinking the bad vermouth right and uh 100% of the time they realized that there was something about it that they liked because in my opinion if you like wine then you like vermouth vermouth is a more complex and more forgiving uh version of uh wine uh especially when it comes to pairing because it's so complex um it's a, you're able to pair it with uh, a, a large a broad variety of foods but 
tried the Martinez in the um, two to one ratio, uh, meaning two ounces of gin, one ounce, actually not one ounce, but three quarter ounce of uh, sweet vermouth, a quarter ounce of maraschino liqueur, throw a dash of uh, orange bitters in there, maybe two. Uh, I'd say if you're using Reagan's uh, orange bitters, do two. If you're using uh, Angostura, maybe you could do one. Um, but that depends on your flavor profile. All right. So I've started my YouTube channel a couple of weeks ago. Um, well, actually, that YouTube channel has been around for a couple of years. But uh, I got a little active on it again a few, uh, few weeks ago. I'm going to start doing uh, more videos. So check out uh, David Dacry TV on YouTube. And um, like, subscribe, comment. So that is it for this episode. I hope that you and your family are doing well. Um, I wish that uh, this situation um, blows over pretty soon. Um, however, we have to listen to the people that are um, trained uh, and educated in this subject in order to um, get through it the best way possible. It is a uh, unusual situation. We are definitely living history right now. So make sure that you are safe. Uh, that you take care of yourself, that um, you take care of your family, and um, I'll get back to you next week. Remember, take care of yourself, take care of each other, and keep the conversation going.